please be aware this episode contains content that some listeners may find disturbing. Hi there, I'm Jake Humphrey and you're listening to a very special episode of the High Performance Podcast. This episode is being released globally on the 10th of October, which is World Mental Health Day. And you know by now that this podcast exists to remind you that your ambition, your purpose, your story is all within. We're just here to help unlock it by turning the lived experiences of the planet's highest performers into your life lessons. But this podcast also exists to normalise the conversation around mental health. Quite a few times, my wife Harriet said, are you talking about my anxiety on high performance again? And yes, I have. And yes, I will continue to do so. I've discussed the issues that my daughter Florence has experienced since the COVID pandemic. And for full disclosure, when I left home and got a job on Children's BBC in the UK in 2001, I had a serious mental health episode. I lost a lot of weight. I genuinely thought that it was game over for me. I went into an incredibly dark place. And the worst thing of all is that it lasted a long time because I didn't know what to do. The conversation around mental health wasn't normalised and now it needs to be. Because if you are listening to this episode and things are a struggle for you either now or they have been in the past, then you are not alone. One in four of us will suffer with a mental health issue in our lifetime. 792 million people on the planet are struggling with issues around their mental health. In just the last couple of weeks, we've recorded episodes that haven't been released yet with a current rugby player, possibly the most famous boxer on the planet, and one of the most successful gymnasts that we've ever seen. All of them needing therapy, all of them struggling with their mental health. This is an ongoing global pandemic. And on World Mental Health Day, we must realise that it needs to be a global priority. So today, on World Mental Health Day, we welcome to the High Performance Podcast an entrepreneur on a mission to fix mental health. This week, we welcome Danny Gray. I've got body dysmorphia. So BDD, body dysmorphic disorder, which is a mental health condition where you obsess about the way you look. It still affects me today, but I had it then, but I didn't know. 12 years old, middle school, on school playground, four boys took the mick out of my ears, started flapping mm. their ears. But it had a massive impact on me. So much so, being 12, within three, four months, I'd my ears been back on the NHS. I woke my mother-in-law up, of all people, at four o'clock in the morning, like, not in a good place. No one actually knows how bad it is in my head. They knew it was bad, but I said, I can't deal with it anymore. But when I was listening to those arguments, I could I could remember lying in bed, right? I'd lie there and I could hear it getting louder and then you know what's coming. You know what's coming every time. Well, it starts like you just hear it and then it's getting louder and that, and then you know what's going to happen. I've never really talked about it. Like a lot of people don't know about it. Like a lot of people, but when I look back now, it's fucking mad, right? It's actually ridiculous that that happened. Like, I don't know how much it's affecting me. But I know for one thing, I didn't talk about him. I'm telling you now, young people, the way it's educated at the minute, mental health, it isn't going to get through. Okay, so as you heard there, um, this was a really, well, it was a hard conversation at times. It was an incredibly emotional conversation throughout for myself and Professor Damien Hughes. And before we get into it, there's only one point that I really want to make, right? And that is that if you are currently struggling with your mental health, then you are not weak. You are the opposite of weak because when you're struggling, when you sometimes find the simplest of daily tasks hard, when you're 
living your life, but you're racked with doubt and anxiety and fear so bad that sometimes it can paralyze you, but you still push through and you still wake up tomorrow. That is the opposite of weak. People who struggle with their mental health are the strongest people on this planet because they need to delve into the deepest reserves of resilience every single day. And I would encourage you to listen to this whole episode. Please, please pass it on. So here we go. On World Mental Health Day, it's the High Performance Podcast with the incredible Danny Gray. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, Danny, welcome and thank you very much for doing this. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. We appreciate it. Let's start with what is high performance for you personally? High performance for me is more about consistency. Um, I think everyone can have levels or moments of absolute high performance, right? If that's in sport, business, or anything in life, right? You do something really, really well yeah. in your job or a moment of high performance. But for me, it's about someone being consistently good. You know, consistency is in every walk of life. I think if you're very consistent and perform at a consistent level, that's tough to do. Uh, and of course, you can have your up days and down days, but being consistent where everyone knows where you are, that for me is high performance, like being a dad, right? If your kids know when you're coming home, what to expect, consistency, that for me is high performance. Brilliant. And I'm so interested to talk about your brand, Warpaint, to begin this conversation because nobody was doing this. Nobody was creating makeup for men, right? So you've got to be consistent, but then you've got to have the big ideas. And for all the entrepreneurs listening to this, I would love to know where your ideas come from. <sighs> My gut. I think a lot of people shy away from what the gut's telling them, right? Um, but big ideas sometimes are stuff that can be taken one way or another or work or not and that's always a risk um and for me it's always when my gut's telling me to do something even if people were saying no i don't think it's going to work if my gut's like yeah it's right then do it and someone explained to me or asked me what, what's your gut feeling what do you mean by that i said well if i had an idea in business or whatever it was and, so, and my gut was telling me to do it i didn't do it and then someone came along and did it i'd literally get a bucket and puke in it you know that for me is that gut feeling like how if someone else did it before you yeah how would you how would you feel so those big ideas for me just come and then my gut tells me if i should run with them really but let's break a gut instinct down into granular detail though dan because i think that's really interesting lots of people have a gut instinct but to try and understand like what's it made out of can you explain it in more detail for us okay well let's talk about wallpaint right so the start of that 
which was always a gut feeling, war pain for me, but how did that gut feeling come about? So I always wanted to create a men's makeup brand for the last 20 years and been talking about it and talking about it. I had an idea of what I thought this brand needed to be and what, because I was the customer, right? So what would appeal to me? What would I find that I would be comfortable with or that would definitely appeal to me as a guy? And I kept seeing other brands trying to do it on a very smaller scale. I was thinking, well, that's not right. I'll do it like this. And then from that feeling, that's when my gut would arrive, right? So I would see patterns, as you say, or what people are doing and saying, well, they're not doing it right. Yeah. I know if I did it this way. And, and what does right look like to you? So just quickly, how, why I started Warpaint, when I was 12 years old, my ears used to be right angles to my head. So they were that bad. My mum wouldn't let me go outside when, when it was windy. That's a joke, by the way. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I was well, questioning your parenting at that yeah, point. I'm actually, I make a joke out of it now because it's just my way of dealing with it a little bit. But so they were really bad, right next to my head. I was on the, uh, school was fine for me, not a problem, 12 years old, middle school, on the school playground, four boys took the mick out of my ears, started flapping mm. their ears. But it had a massive impact on me. So much so being 12, within three, four months, I had my ears been back on the NHS. Right. So that just screamed to me how much it affected me because my mum arranged that to happen. <laughs> Would you mind, and I know it's never nice reliving these things. Yeah. Would you mind when you say it had a massive effect on me, really taking us into tangibly how that felt for you? Uh, absolutely. Like, as I said, I didn't have a problem in the world at 12. You know, I was captain of the football team, played all the sport. I was quite popular in school. Then literally, I, I can stand in the playground now and, and see the second they first did it. I remember going home and looking at my ears and thinking, well, they do stick out. I'd never noticed my ears before. And then that was it for me every day. I thought about grew my hair in front of my ears and then got my ears back at 12, but it didn't fix the issue, right? Because then all of a sudden your brain's into this uh, psyche. So growing up to 15, 16, I started getting spots, um, not acne, not severe or anything like that. But for me, it was a huge issue. Uh, turned to my sister. Uh, I said, and she literally gave me a concealer, put it on. I couldn't believe what a product could do. I couldn't believe what, what, how simple it was. And all of a sudden, bang, my... At that moment, that issue had just disappeared, right? And what was the effect of concealing the spots on you and your feelings and your emotions? Well, just that I knew I didn't have to worry about my skin. I've got body dysmorphia. So BDD, body dysmorphic disorder, which is a mental health condition where you obsess about the way you look. It still affects me today, but I had it then, but I didn't know. So did you have it before those boys in the playground l talked about your ears or... Was that a trigger for the body dysmorphia? Absolutely. For me, it was a trigger. Because right. at 12, I, I, honestly, I didn't think about the way I looked or stuff like that. I always had girlfriends and stuff like that. But never, I was like, oh, I'm really good looking or I'm not. Um, and then from that moment, I just started worrying about my appearance. So for me, that did definitely trigger it. But then 15, 16, obviously using makeup, use it for the next 20 years. So I'm wearing it today, right? And Damien even said before what we met um, before on here, he said, are you wearing it now? And that was the thing for me. I wanted to create a brand when no one knew I was wearing because it's for me, not for anyone else. So I've been wearing makeup for 20 years. However, got to about 20, 21, 22, going out a lot. The problem would move to other things. So this is a very common trait for body dysmorphia that you can obsess about one thing, sort of find a fix for it. You can use tools, but you shouldn't depend on them, which I was doing. So we use makeup. Then I would worry about my hair, uh, clothes. So much so, so um, got to about 27, 28. I thought I was losing my hair. And look, you can probably see. Good head of hair, bro. Good head, yeah. mate. But because my hairline wasn't straight, I can remember getting in the car one day after work. I literally looked in the rearview mirror. And just here, there was a gap. And I was like, oh my God, what's that? For two years, that was it.
Really? For two years, every second of it, every minute of every day, that's all I thought about. And you just said it, you threw two years away. Oh, God, like, I'll, I'll be driving home from work and for an hour, wouldn't even know I've driven home because I look in the rearview mirror. So much so I started punching the rearview mirrors off of cars mm. because I didn't just, it would stop me doing it. Wow. Um, and then I would go out drinking, a lot of like, drugs and uh, masking it. Uh, and eventually I did have, I had a hair transplant at the front. And when I went in there, the, the surgeon actually said, why are you here? So I had a hair transplant when I was 30. I hit crisis, right? So using all these tools and stuff, it did help, but it just masked the way I felt. But can I just jump in there? Uh, of course. Uh, because I want to get to this next bit. I'm, I'm interested in terms of what was it that, that that crook in your hairline, for example, tell us what what that made you feel. I appreciate it, it mm. felt distressing, but but what kind of messages was it sending to you? It was exhausting, mate. More, which more if you got to a point where it could take me hours to get ready, right? So four or five hours to get ready, multiple showers. My mates knew uh, that I had this thing. Like for me, for example, with my mates, right? They would come around and say, well, we're going out tonight. We'll go out at nine o'clock. Um, so the cab's coming. I'm like, holy shit. Cab's coming at nine o'clock. For me, time was a nightmare, right? Because all of a sudden we've got time. I've got to be ready. So what would happen? My anxiety would build up, get changed multiple times. And then all the time I come down, guys, guys, I'm not ready. And they'll be like, all right, well, we'll meet you out. A lot of times I won't go out. Other times I force myself out. One example, going to London, into town to meet, meet the boys. Got myself, forced myself to get ready. Didn't feel comfortable. Went on the train because the, it was dark. You know, the, the, it's almost like a mirror, right? The, the windows. Mm. I can remember I was just looking like this. I looked at myself and I was like, oh, my hair's not right. And that was it. And then the whole train spent it in the mirror. Eventually got to the bar. My best mate in the world, Obi, came up to me. He knew, because I'm life and soul, right? He knew I wasn't right. And he was like, mate, you don't have to be here. And I was just like, so I went home. Eventually, right, so when I did hit crisis and everyone was then aware that I've got this thing, they knew I had it, but then I spoke about it. The, the difference, right? Going out the next time with my mates, and so it was just Obi. I said, Obi, I'm struggling, mate. He said, Dan, don't worry. I've got a beer. You're sat with my mum. He said, be as long as you want, mate. Oh. <sighs> don't think it's my mum's hair. But um, do you know what I mean? Just by people knowing, knowing and understanding a situation. I was like, holy shit. And it just lifted off of me. I got ready in 15 minutes. Oh. And so that's OB. Um, and I'll never forget that. But that was, you know, compared to where I was to then hitting crisis. And it was at a point, of, you know, I was going out a lot. The hair thing. I woke my mother-in-law up of all people at four o'clock in the morning, like not in a good place because of this hair thing. I was like, no one actually knows how bad it is in my head. They knew it was bad, but I said, I can't deal with it anymore. Mm. And, that, and that for me was a big changing point about 30 years old. And then war paint was sort of, I was like, now I need to do something. So what happened at that moment when you said to your mother-in-law, I, I can't deal with this? So just support, mate, because... They all knew I had this thing, but no one labelled it, no one said anything, and they find it very difficult. I always use the analogy with my mum, right? When I was 22 years old, getting ready. I used to be a nightmare. Come down, ripping T-shirts off, punching holes in walls. And my mum at the beginning would be, you look great. And it, you know, I was saying, wouldn't say anything, but in my head, I'm like, God, mum, you have no idea what's going through my head. That, yeah, that doesn't help me, right? Eventually, she'll be like that, just not being able to say anything. And that for me was what everyone was doing because you don't know how to react. You haven't got the right information. You don't know but what to they, say. I'm, I'm sure they think telling you you look great is the answer to feeling you don't look great, right? A hundred percent, mate. And I think that's a natural thing to do, yeah. right? But for me, it's probably the worst thing you could say. Really? Yeah, a hundred percent. Because people say, oh, you look great. You always do. 
that's not helping in my head. I'm like, that's not helping me. So what should they have said? Take your time. Don't rush. Like, Dan, you don't have to go anywhere. Right, because yeah, the thing is, it built, anxiety builds up. This is what mental health is, right? It'll build and build and build and build and build. As much as you try and mask it, it'll just build till you explode. So but if, you, if you're here and you know you're not getting ready, you can spot it. And then someone says, don't worry, take your time. It, it's okay, Dan. You don't have to do anything. I promise it sits here and you go, take a break. Kirsty, my fiance, has just been unbelievable. Like she was the one who told me I bought this morphia. We've been together 11 years and she had a form of it. And she told me, I was like, oh, I don't know what that is. You know, where do I find out what that is? And then I went and did a look at it. I ticked every box. So for some people listening to this, and I'd put myself in this bracket, that I'm not hugely aware of what body dysmorphia is. Would you explain it and the, some of the manifestations? Because you said yeah. it took on different forms. Uh, so BDD is body dysmorphic disorder where you can obsess about anything on your body, right? To minute detail, so much so that something, an imperfection for you is huge compared to other people, they won't notice it. That could be anything from your nose to people even have it about their hands, kneecaps. It, it can be very severe into minute detail. But for me, it was my overall appearance. And it's something that manifests itself and can obsess into... Everyone's got BDD to a point, all right, about appearance, right? So, but it's to a certain point where it affects your daily life. That's when you have like this condition, that affects your actual life and it was affecting my life. So uh, that's what BDD is. But this is the question you just asked me, right? And said, well, I don't understand it. A lot of people don't understand a lot of conditions because of the lack of information or being able to get the right information from the right sources, right? And that's why I brought to about later where Jack, I think, can do that. Let's talk about that now and we'll come back and we'll talk about wall paint in a moment um, because I think struggling with a mental health problem is one thing wanting to help change the narrative around it, change the conversation and in turn change the world is something totally different. So tell us, tell us about Jack. Okay. So Jack, so wall paint looks growing well, a lot of, lot of media, negative then very positive. So got a lot of attention, right? So I was getting a lot of people, but it was about my story about BDD and I, I had to sort of very globally talk about that for the first time ever on, on Dragon's Den, right? <laughs> what a place to do it. Um, <laughs> But I've got a lot of people reaching out to me, asking me questions. So this could be mums, dads, people, all different walks of life, right? A mum with her son who's got low confidence. Can we just have a chat? So I was doing these calls late at night. I was doing Zooms with as many people as I could. And then one girl reached out to me on Instagram and said, my boyfriend I've been with for two years has told me he's got BDD. I didn't know. He's only told me because he's been following your journey and he felt comfortable enough to tell me, but he's, he's in trouble. Can we please have a quick talk? So I was like, of course. So there was a Friday, Friday night in my little office at home. We had a, a Zoom call, right? And he's in fucking bits. He was like I was, right? At 28, he's like that. He can't look. I can see the anxiety and she's sat forwards. So anyway, he's hit crisis to reach out, like crisis. And the average length for, for mental health is 10 years from when you first feel something to when you reach out. And that gradually gets worse and worse. You hit 10 years on average and you hit crisis and what happens? Everything in the society, I mean, it's based on crisis. Helplines, text lines, call lines, NHS. Of course, that should be there, but everyone's waiting for crisis. Recovery is a lot longer. So this guy's hit this crisis, reached out, and he is in bits. Went to the NHS, which would. Local GP said, told him, he said, you've got something called BDD. I need to refer you. This bloke's in crisis, wants to kill himself. He alluded to that, but probably didn't tell it to the doctor. You've got to wait 36 weeks to see a specialist. Right, and I'm like on this call. I'm like, holy moly! 
So anyway, and then all they want to do is ask me questions from a lived experience, some random questions, right? So the first thing she says, she's like, I just don't get it. I said, he, he's a good looking lad, right? I tell him all the time, he looks great. And I just went, look, I'll be honest, if you, when you would say that to me, it's probably worse than you could ever say to me. And she was like, what? And he was behind going, nodding oh. his head. And she, I said, look, from my experience, when I took what I said earlier, right? When I'm getting ready, my mum used to do it. It's not going to help me. And he's like that, nodding. And, then she, and I said, all I want to do is just, take, just say, don't worry. Don't you take your time, take a break. Or the, the, I explained, she was like, oh my God. And he was like, yeah. And then we had a conversation for about an hour. All these, and all we're asking my personal experience. Anyway, she messaged me the next day and said, Dan, that hour with you, we got more than all the searching on Google that we've ever got. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is all that's missing. So I wanted to create a platform that gave people instant information from trusted sources, right? It instantly, because when you look at, this is not a replacement therapy. It's just getting the right information. When you do go to a therapy session, all the lean experts have got on Jack say the first three sessions is just information giving. Because what happens with the brain, you can only take seven bits of information at a time. Right, so you have one session. You go back. They tell you a bit more about it. A bit more. Imagine having a platform with these leading experts. By touch of a button, you can ask them a question and get the right information. Because the other thing for me with all these search engines that are out there, you search it, five and a half million hits for BDD. How do you know what to trust? And it's one answer from one question. Yeah. You read some text, which is probably the poorest way to take in information because video content is more empathetic. And then what does that do? It eludes more questions. So I was like, right, I've got to create a platform. That's free and gives instant access. So using this technology, we went and, I went and got the lean expert for BDD, David Veal. I got the lean expert, Paul Gilbert, OBE, the lean expert in the UK for depression. And then we had uh, Alistair Campbell came on. He was on your podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, he spoke very well, didn't he, about mental health on the podcast. He's unbelievable, mate. He, uh, he'll be listening to this. He is a legend. And without him, I wouldn't be sat here today, like with Jack and everything. And then we got David Harewood for psychosis and Aaron Turner. So got these, filmed them, created a platform. And it's hard to explain, but just go on it, jack.org. At least you can ask them any question and you get the instant answer. We launched that on October, well, I mean, health day, October the 10th. So literally nearly a, a year. I believe this podcast is coming out on October the 10th. So a year ago today. Yeah. Um, happy birthday. Happy birthday. And it went on the one show. It went very viral. Uh, we had 14,000 hits. Free site. Free site. Uh, 14,000 hits on the first night. And we had 400 emails come in. And these 400 emails, I read through them. I was just crying all night because mm. the stories, and like I, of course you create something you think people could, might hate it. But people, the, we got 400 emails and their personal stories. Can I do this? Can I help? I can't believe this is real. This is changed. If I had this earlier, mum saying, my son's got PTSD, please can you do PTSD? And then, then I got a bit of a realisation, that's not enough. These freak, and I, I need to scale this. Because the other thing for me with mental health, it's not just these conditions about BDD, uh, psychosis, depression. Mental health is everything in your life. And like physical health, right? Like these conditions like breaking your arm, physical health. But of course, it's not just about breaking your arm, physical health. It's about going to the gym. It's about eating, right? Same with your mental health. Yoga, 40% of it is mental and 60% of it is, you know, how it makes you feel. So I was like, well, I need to create a form that's got so much more and covers all these conditions. So for the last, since then, we've been working for a year on a new platform that we're launching on November the 24th. 
of of this year, which literally, w- when we launch, we're going to have over 50,000 questions on one platform for all different types of things, from leading experts and people with lived experience. So you get both. So, I mean, I've got goosebumps as you're describing Thanks, that, that initial impact when you launched it. But I'm interested in your driver behind it. I get some of your own personal story, but why did you feel that it fell on your shoulders based on that that Zoom call with that young fella and his girlfriend? Why did you feel it fell on you to create this platform? Because I felt fraud. If you look at businesses, a lot of businesses out there, right, they all have a USP or a mission or a drive, a lot of them, right? Especially now, compared to 20 years ago, as a brand, you could see something, you could go to a very well-known site, uh, buy something from China, T-shirt, put a name on it, give it to some influencers, you've got a brand, right? That could happen. Can't happen anymore because people are buying into brands and drive. I've always talked about mental health with raw pain and I felt a fraud that because everyone talks about it and says, you have to talk, we all get that, right? We get that we need to talk. I wanted to create something that would actually, because I was talking about you need to talk, but it's still really difficult. And as much as we all know that, these people from that 10-year journey, right? Year in, two years in, it's a long, long way away till they can just go and talk about it. So when I say I felt a fraud, Warpaint was driven from my own story. Like I believed in it, so I still do so much that men should have a choice, right? But I, I felt because it's amazing what you're doing for mental health people saying, well, I'm, I'm just talking about it. So that was the drive for me to create this platform that's free to say I'm actually like, I'm not just trying to talk about it. I want to do something because the feeling you get, mate, from those emails... It, does, it doesn't matter, you know, and that's what I've, I did feel a fraud because wallpaper was going well and people were saying it's amazing. And thank, I was getting people saying thank you and you give me a choice, which is amazing one hand, but that's just a tool I've used to master what I'm saying. I want to say use these tools to help your mental health, but don't depend on them. So by creating Jack, I wanted to do that. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because at the start of this conversation, you say that when you've got BDD, you solve one problem and you push the problem somewhere else. And I wonder whether in the back of your mind there was this feeling like war paint's amazing and fantastic, but if someone is using it because they've got BDD, all you're doing is pushing their problem somewhere else. And you wanted to be more than that. You couldn't say it better, mate, yeah. because BDD, that is, it's called masking or camouflaging. So people can then use a lot of makeup and depend on it, it can take a long time. So whilst promoting, use these products, I use it as a tool, right? So I still have BDD today. Uh, <laughs> Look, I've got a thing about clothes. I have to feel comfortable to be able to talk like this, right? So I don't know, a couple of my team are here. I'll, I'll, it sounds ridiculous, but I went shopping yesterday. For this? <laughs> yeah. Just why you, does that just sound ridiculous? You. Just because, uh, it doesn't sound ridiculous, but I, I did have to start having a problem with clothes. I've managed to, uh, I've learned how to manage it, right? Or what things make mm. me feel comfortable. So if I feel comfortable with my clothes, I know I'll be able to be my real me now, not sit here like this. So... And do you beat yourself up that you think that you're weak because you have to do things like that to do things like this? No. no I think- be- yeah, I, I, I no, because I used to think it was, mm. you know, and that's the problem. I used to think, oh my God, like, is it me being weak? Or But what I've learned is that I have this condition. I, I personally don't think it's ever going to disappear. But if you look at me now, compared to f- five years ago, it's a different person. Of course, I still have to, I do use makeup. I get my hair cut once a week. I do like certain clothes that fit well. And I find, like, if I find a T-shirt, like T-shirts I wear, I'll get the arms tailored, right? Because I like it tight. So I'll find one T-shirt, but like, you know, Steve Jobs, I'm not Sam Steve Jobs, yeah. by the way. 
but you know he wore the same clothes every day because he found yeah. something comfortable so i'm the same i'll find a t-shirt i'll buy it of them get them out i'm done you know so as you said it's all about using um promote use things whatever makes it there's a wall paint's more than makeup for me it's about as a guy do whatever you need to do to make yourself feel comfortable if you're a guy and you want to wear a dress wear a dress if you're a guy and you want to wear makeup wear makeup i'm talking about female male things if you're a guy and you want to do anything that people say you're not to but it makes you feel good go and fucking do it and did you also struggle with the fact that war paint was born out of bdd and war paint became successful did you struggle with the fact that you were you were successful you were making money out of something that had caused you so much suffering and you wanted to give back or not no because i don't know i was talking about earlier do i believe in fate manifestation is everything meant to happen the way it is like i'm doing something at the minute jack war paint i'm in the top 0.1 percent of the world because every day i can't wait to go to bed to get up in the morning to go to work it's hard it's hard but it's the best thing I've ever done. And so even though it's been born out of that, it's a, I'm passionate mm. about these two things, right? And when you're passionate about something, I promise you it's not work. I wouldn't change anything in my life of getting bullied, BDD, because I don't, I get scared when I've been in this position. So can I ask you about the origins of wall paint then? In term, because I think there's nothing more powerful than an idea whose time has come. And when I was doing the research on, knowing we were going to chat to you today then, that... My mind went back to about 15 years ago when I was in Australia and met a guy that was wearing guy liner at the time and and remember sort of like the cat calls and the sort of like the pissy unkind comments about this guy. Whereas I don't think that would happen today in this day and age. I think people would see it as a little bit more conventional. But I don't doubt that that obviously took you some courage to try and change the narrative of guys being able to wear makeup and, and adopt the look that they want and I'm interested on the journey that you went through in those early those early stages Cause, yeah because it wasn't all roses at all right? sure. so I had the concept um, first of all test the market which I think any sort of people out there who want to start their own business or their own thing I think if you can test the market side hustle whatever you want to call it it's always a good thing to do right so I had a good career what were you doing uh, so I was actually in cars so I was in a car leasing business I was head of three departments had a good like good prospects I'd done sales in audio travelled the world doing that um, so I had a good career right only half decent money but this passion for you, and look I'll talk about my mate Obi again God, he's got lit he's getting a lot of air time on here I like Obi um, I was on the golf course with him right and I was on I remember I was on the second hole of uh, Harewood Downs par 5 second shot and we were talking about men's makeup brand he literally turned around to me and said Dan you've got to stop talking about it and just do it and it's so bizarre it's like someone clicked a switch in my head I was like, right, well, I'm doing it. And if I decide to do something, that's it. I mean, 100%. I literally couldn't wait to get off the golf course, right? Um, still beat him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> got off the golf course, sat in my car for four hours, just calling people. Like, how do you do a website? How do I do this? Uh, my, my cousin did websites. Anyway, so that was the start. So then I tested the market, bought some products in from China, slapped a badge on it. War paint was the name create a very basic website, put some ads out. We made seven orders in one day. I was like, right, stop. So that cost me about 20, all my savings, 24 grand. Right, proven market. Now I need to create my own makeup. So you put all your money into Everything I had, this. right? All my savings, 20, it was 24 grand, everything I had. And were you in a relationship at the time I was, as well? yeah, yeah. So tell us about that conversation uh, at home. Uh, with Kirsty, I had a young child. He was only one. 
um, or six months old. I was like, I'm just going to do this on the side. And do you know what? When people were sat out there and they're thinking, shall I do it, shall I not? I promised you the second I got for that golf course, it was a Saturday, the Monday I was in my full-time job, right? And the feeling I had in my stomach that I was doing this thing on the side was unbelievable. The energy I had, even for my jobs, the first thing I did actually was told my current CEO that I'm going to do this thing on the side. Just let you know. This shows you about good leadership. I was a bit nervous, but I'm, I don't want to hide anything. He said, I told him what I was going to do. He said, Dan, absolutely fucking love that. He said, it shows you're entrepreneurial and there's the sort of people I want in my business. So I said, oh, it won't affect how I work here. He says, whenever it does, just tell me and then we'll make a thing. But well done, mate. I was like, now that, Brilliant. that's leadership, mate. That yeah. is leadership. So anyway, test the market, got this. Then I was like, right, I need to create my own makeup. But hang on, you've not answered the question of, you go on to, to your oh, wife, you, that she's there with a young six-month-old yeah. child at her arms and she's going, fucking Obi giving you this advice not, again. Not, not a second of doubt. Do it. That not was a second of doubt from her. Do it. Of course, like excited for me. And that's the other thing. If people back you, the belief you get, and you're like, let's do it, compared to other people who go, oh God, save your money. Yeah, yeah. Fuck that. I'm 30 years old. And my mindset with always with that, do you know what it was? You know, pensions, like don't take this for gospel, anyone listening, <laughs> but my mindset, right? Do you want a pension? No. Why? Because I'm, you know, I'm going to do something that I'll be all right later. I want my money now to do stuff with it. I don't want to put, I'm not saying don't do a pension, but that was just my belief. Yeah. And she was behind it. So and it was, then we test the market, good reactions. I'm like, right, I need to create my own makeup. How the fuck do you do that? Yeah. So first of all, call up every manufacturer in the UK. Do you know what they're doing? do phone down like really? who's this guy wants to do a men's makeup brand first person I call well what's minimum order quantity 10,000 units per shade so I was like oh my god eventually got hold of a family run business went to one manufacturer didn't work out found another one I said let me come and pitch to you let me come and meet you so I drove up it was an Ipswich don't want to give away who they are uh, went up to Ipswich sat down with the owner I said look I'm going to create this brand and they just bought into my passion as I said, please just lower the MOQs. They said, okay, we'll do 2,000 units per shade because the amount of products I wanted to launch with, it was still 100, 100 grand. And the other thing they said, is, here's all the components we can use. I went, don't like them. They, it's too feminine. So I went and sourced all my own componentry from China. So where's this so, money now coming from? So I raised money with a family member. So it's my brother-in-law. Um, so that's always a good way to go to begin with if you want to raise money. Beg, still and borrow to begin with. Yeah. So with him, I raised about 150 grand but my opening order was 97 grand. Opening order, right? So opening order, and I had one girl working for me full time, you know, and we were based in a flat in Watford. And you're so, still working wow. in car sales as well. Yeah, but yeah. That's a, that was, and then up till, um, so we were launching November the 1st, 2018. So we did all this behind the scenes. it was carnage. Can you imagine like product turning up that was wrong? Like, but we had to do everything, right? Create the name, create the logo. I had a moment of madness that we had a logo which looked like a barber's logo, which I thought was on brand. And I kept driving around seeing all these barbers with the same logo. I was like, we've got to change it. And I had the product, to, like the, all, of, all of the samples turn up to sign off. Literally, I was like, no. So we went back to the drawing board, stuff like that. Product turning up that was wrong. Had to formulate my own makeup. So I was testing hundreds of foundations. I went to certain pigment. Like people say, what's the difference? Skincare, there's not a lot of difference, right? You know, men's and females. But for men's makeup, for me, there is. Like little pigment, matte finish, no floral smell to it, no shimmers in any of our product almost invisible, right? A buildable product. So anyway, I did all of that in a flat in Watford. And then I left my job on September 2018 because part of the deal was I had to quit my job and be all in. So I remortgaged my house as well at this point to put in my own money. 
sold my cars. I used to collect some watches, sold all my watches. Uh, and then literally sat in a flat in Watford, November the 1st, and went, here we go. So you'd given this absolutely everything. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, but do you know what my mindset is, is that I'd write, people always say, oh, but I don't know if I should use my savings. I think if you've got that mindset, you're probably not cut out for it. Right? I, my mindset is I'll give everything. I'll try everything. Right? As long as it's not going to damage my kids and I, my house is going to disappear. You know, remortgage it, fine. But I don't need a car, I don't need anything. And then we worked from a flat in Watford because the girl worked for me, didn't drive. So my commute got longer. <laughs> Did you realise? That gave me a Fiat 500 that I've still got today. <laughs> Did you realise what a brave person you were? Um, Did you feel brave? No. No, I didn't. I didn't. Really? Yeah, I didn't. I was just like, I'd rather give it everything. And I just loved it. The feeling of like creating was unbelievable. So then we launched on the 1st of November. I forecast, my forecasting, this shows you how to do everything, like forecasting, customer service, packaging, marketing. So the way we marketed it, I was like, right, we need to dispel the myth of the type of guys who might wear makeup because there was stuff going out there, but it was quite feminine, right? Some of the bigger brands now, I just didn't think... I wouldn't have been attracted to. Mm. So at that time, five years ago, guys built well, tattoos up their neck, weren't being used for ads for makeup. So I was like, they're the guys we've got to use. Create an ad, it looked wicked. Put it out and it got a lot of reaction, right? A lot of hate as well. So we got onto that, a lot of hate. But we started getting a lot of sales. So the first month I said, we do two and a half grand in sales. We did 11. I was picking and packing. Then literally uh-huh. trying to find a post office because we had one downstairs. We that I'll take it down to. So after a month, we got an office because we did 11 grand. Second month, I said five grand, we did 28 grand. And literally, I'm now picking and packing. So I do customer service in the morning, built brand marketing, pick and pack for two hours. And then sometimes I miss- This is entrepreneurship right here, by the way. I think it's so important for people to hear this. I I, I would, listen- It's glamorous, right? No, oh my God. But I loved it, mate. I loved it. Like picking and packing. Do you know what it is as well? I'm like, I'll do the picking and packing because when you're picking and packing your own orders, what a buzz, right? It's not a buzz when you've got a hundred orders and it's the 78th time you're doing it. You're like, oh my God. (laughs) And then we were shipping all over the world as well. So different, I was literally laying out the stuff and whatever. One time it was a Friday and we had a, people paid for next day delivery for the Monday and I'd missed the post office downstairs. So I literally drove around in my Fiat 500 packed to the rafters (laughs) and I found a Hermes in the middle of Watford Right, and can you imagine the people on a Friday night when but I turned up? But they loved you. Oh yeah. well, the guy behind the jump did because you get fifty p a parcel, right? So he was he was loving it. The, <laughs> the, the customers were like, "Who is this guy?" I was like, I'm so sorry, guys. These have got to go out today. So second month we did like twenty eight grand. Third month we did thirty six, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" Like this is going well, right? But we are getting pelters online, pelters, right? Cool. So these ads that. are going out, and the people are saying this is ridiculous, and it hurt me at the beginning. Um, and we were getting pelts, but I was like, well, we're getting sales. People are saying they think it's great. So anyway, May the 9th, 2019, my sister's birthday. Go out for a meal. And the girl works with me, calls me five times. I'm like, what? So I put the high. She goes, Dan, did we put an ad out on Twitter that, that day? The same ad, right? She goes, we're going viral. I said, what do you mean going viral? I hadn't got a clue what that means. She goes, it's going viral on Twitter, but it's negative. I was like, what? So I looked at my phone. I had a quarter of a million views within hour and a half I'm like oh my god looks online it is when I say pelters unbelievable put the phone down go back into my scissors I'm bricking it look again half a million tell me the sorts of messages that, that um, it was generating this is ridiculous um, 
men's makeup is toxic masculinity was a word that was yeah. used constantly uh this is not there's no difference to me how ridiculous is this brand it got so bad that night we had in 24 hours eight million views trending number one in the world on twitter i was on cbn good morning america i uh, literally i put the phone so the phone the next day in the office every time i put it down it was ringing daily mail can we have an interview can we have an interview i, I was like talk about mental health okay but what was it that triggered this outbreak well just people jumping on the bandwagon and not understanding this the other thing where I, what i hadn't talked about when i launched the brand was my story it was at the back right over here yeah and it was on the about us page but it, all people saw was this ad and it was just uh, it was unbelievable toxic, toxic okay but this was an advert that you'd already run before you said yeah, so yeah you run it right so what was the context that triggered this outrage Twitter. on this occasion Twitter it was the first Simply. time we put it on Twitter right and it just went like went and we were on every news article next day I was in bits in the office people came in to try and help but it was snowballing and you know good morning America it was on the main yeah. news internet backlashes over men's men's makeup brand so at the time I was in turmoil thought the brand had died tell us about what it did for your mental health at this point oh god people say how did you cope with it well, I didn't Simple as that. Can you imagine all the stuff you'd worked for, giving up everything? And because I was so new to it, I thought, that's it, the brand's over. But a couple of things I noticed on that day, we'd have record sales. So we were doing like a grand a day, maybe on an amazing day. We'd done seven grand, right? And people messaging us privately, don't listen to it. I think it's amazing. It's really right. helped me. We had messages from mum saying, my kid's 17, he's never used makeup and would never have his picture tape. Like, it was unbelievable stuff. And I clicked and went, well, all this backlash, no one's talking about my story, right? No one's looked at the about us and taken the piss out of that. It's all about what we're trying to do as a brand so no one understands it. So that was a Tuesday. On the Thursday, I'm filming Dragon's Den. Talk about fate, right? And I'm like, so I've got to drive to Manchester to film Dragon's Den. On the way to Manchester the night before, I have to pull over to do an interview on, on America. And I'm just getting lambasted. So I said, right, I'm going on Dragon's Den. I need to tell my story. Bear in mind, forward-facing, all the people around me didn't know about body dysmorphia, didn't know about men's, me even men's makeup brand because I hadn't shouted about it. So I was like, I have to go on there and say, I'm doing a men's makeup brand and this is why. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So if this 
backlash, this uproar, this furore hadn't unfolded days before Dragon's Den? Would you have gone on Dragon's Den and put your story at the forefront no, of that no pitch? Way. So in so many ways, we spoke about fate. In so many ways, it's almost like a gift from somewhere to go, do you know what, I'm going to give you this lesson yeah. days before this huge moment that you, that you will learn from it and you will change the way you're oh. going to speak. It's weird. Like people say, would you go back and change anything? I know because I, I, I shit myself about. Okay, imagine if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be to the position. That was one of them, right? That decision was made two days before, and then Dragons then was then aired two months later, and they said to me when actually when I came off of Dragons then, one of the directors was crying. He says the best one I've ever mm -hmm. done in seven years. I was a bit, but I was disappointed in the deal I'd done. I don't know if you've seen it, but I was actually disappointed on the deal I'd done. And then two months later, it was aired, right? So then I'm waiting for the airing. And I did have my mates around there because obviously it went all right. Yeah. But I did not realise the reaction I would get afterwards or the brand. So I went out on Dragon's Den and then we trended on Twitter, but it was no socks, Dan, because we're no socks and we're doing Brexit at the time to negotiate Brexit. Right. And it was just, and it was Daily Mail next day, said best in 15 years, crowd go up, like people, because it went viral, right? And I, I was like, oh, but I can remember it finished and then all my mates were going mad. Can you imagine? It's like a football match when we were doing the negotiation. But then afterwards, it was just like, they said, you're trending, everyone's going mad about it. And I was like, if that hadn't gone well, Drang's Den, if it hadn't, it, do you know, you can't do two like that. But did your friends know, you know, like when you came on and you start with that brilliantly open line about, I suffer, I have mental mm. health problems. Did your friends know that before they saw you mm. announce that to oh, the Dragons? My close mates, the mates I care about. But yeah. then that's always the perception I think people worry about, people don't know you. And that's what mm. I was, right? About, you know, where, I, where I'd be at or locally, like not saying I was well known, but people didn't have a clue that wall makeup, didn't clue that body dysmorphia. And they were the people I was worried about. And right. I look back in and go, that is so ridiculous. You know, all my close mates knew, but the people, I was more worried about the outside, you know, people. And yeah, I knew yeah. at the beginning they were taking a piss at me. But then you, because you've created a brand that like you said to Jake earlier, that it's a mask in many ways, that it's taken a problem and you're masking it and you're standing on national TV, taking that mask off. How did that make you feel? Obviously I was nervous about it because I hadn't ever talked about it that like I knew it would be national scale. But I had to do it because I needed people to understand the story behind the brand. That's what we talk yeah. about brand mission, right? It's not, I'm not just slapping a thing on it. This is why I'm doing it. And it, it just, for, for me, it worked out so well because then the story became front and center. And then I realized when we talk about brands, the importance of drive and mission. It's not a product people are interested in. The product's a product. All the products are as good as each other. You know, of course, there's new ingredients and stuff like that. Our product's great, but it's what we drive for. And then that shifted everything for us. And that's why I started filming everything and telling the story. And like, then we had John Lewis. We had the first ever men's makeup counter. It went absolutely viral again, like ridiculous. First ever men's makeup counter in the world. That went viral, TV everywhere. But it was positive, you know? And that, talk about fate. We set it up in John Lewis, no press organised. And then a reportive guy from Sunday Times came in and apparently he then called the office and I, uh, I was past the phone he went oh, I'm from the Sunday Times I want to write an article about John Lewis I've just walked in I think it's incredible I went Do you, can I have the exclusive I said well is it going to be a good story <laughs> <You know? laughs> and he was wow. like well no I love it anyway so then Sunday Times come out page six it's this big like tiny little thing men's yeah. makeup count I'm like oh that's cool that's cool next day six in the morning LBC called the office because it goes to my phone can you come on at seven I did back-to-back -back for the next two weeks interviews on every news channel. 
you can imagine about John Lewis. Uh, and at that point, I was raised, talk about fate again, I was in with a, a venture capitalist that morning on the Monday talking about next round of investment. I had to leave the meeting to go and do an interview. Um, and then, we, yeah, then we had that, then I opened the first ever men's makeup store in the world on Carnaby Street. But all of that, I do all of that. It's not about sell, necessarily selling products. It's about trying to create a category and make it normal, right? Because for me, look, we've just done a deal with just, no one will know this, we're launching in 350 super drug stores. You know, the first ever men's makeup in the UK at scale. And it's not about the sales for me. It's about when we get this out there and on shelf, people go, oh, it's a thing now. It's all right. Again, I'm thinking of like that famous management book, Good to Great, as you're describing it here, because you're describing having a good product and going to somewhere great on the journey that you're on. And one of the principles that Jim Collins talks about in the book is the, the core versus the strategy. So he says your core pretty much remains eternal, that sense of purpose. But the strategy of how you get out there might have to change depending Absolutely. on circumstances, and which is exactly what you've described. So what would you describe the mission that you're on, the purpose of the business? Uh, two different businesses is to give, it's just to give men a choice. That's it. You mm. can then have a choice. if you. And look, I'm not saying you have to wear men's makeup. I've never said that. If you want to wear women's, wear women's. That's aimed to women if you prefer it. If you want to wear a gender neutral brand, all I want to do is create a choice. So there is a male focused brand, gender neutral brand, female brand. You have the choice. That's all I believe in. And then when Jack's mission is about giving information to people who don't get access to it at a click of a button and become the coolest mental health brand on the planet because I'm telling you now, young people, the way it's educated at the minute mental health, it isn't going to get through. If I can create a cool mental health brand that's cool and relevant, people will then, okay, well, it's just, it's normal now, I can ask a question. So your core mission is always the same. But you can then, of course, you have to adapt, but it's really important about having that drive. And, you know, Jack, this new platform, I genuinely believe it will transform everything on the way you access. I'm not saying it's replacing anything. The feeling you get from messages, right? Jack, you talk about your own personal story a lot, right? About school and I'm dyslexic. So when I was at school, I didn't know I was dyslexic and I was left-handed as well, right? So I wrote like that and I was dyslexic. For seven lessons on my own, they put me in to teach me how to hold a fucking pen properly. And it was nothing about how I spelt. And all I could think about ever was I'm holding this pen right. It's not affecting my life whatsoever. The only thing that's affecting me is that people don't know I'm left-handed because I don't write like that. And for me, it's around dyslexia for me. I didn't understand it. And I just thought, well, that's it. I'm thick. I'm stupid. We're now on Jack. You can go on there. We've got a dyslexic section with experts on there who tell you about the positive impact of dyslexia and use a different part of your brain. 40% of self-made millionaires ever are dyslexic right because you use a different part of your brain so for me if i was told at a younger age or understood well you're never going to be amazing at that but concentrate on that yeah, yeah fucking hell mate and among all of this success and accolades and investments and awards how often do you stop and reflect on on that struggling 17 18 year old guy and i wonder what he would make of makes even me emotional thinking about it. I wonder what he would make of the guy sitting in that chair right now. He wouldn't believe him. He wouldn't believe it because when you're in that moment and it's bad, you see there's no way out. I always wanted to do something. I thought, I can't do that. Especially the position mm. I was in. Like, I promised you. And like, if I could go back, all I'd say to myself is, you're going to be all right. That's it. Because when you're in the moment, you can't see a way. 
and you know I mean I had big ideas and stuff but when you're in the moment that's why I, I want Jack to do this because there's so many people out there who don't see a way out I'm not going to get better or there isn't an opportunity for me or if you could get and just believe in yourself and I just, trust me I'll probably sound really confident I doubt it every day you know people say it's going to do this it's going to do that and I still doubt it so that's that is normal guys but th that for me is like I wouldn't have believed it mate I wouldn't have because when you're in it, it's, it, it's tough, right? So can I ask you a question that we've not touched on, but has been intriguing me from the research of, and it was prompted when you said about some of this backlash that you got on social media about the makeup brand is promoting toxic masculinity and things like that, that you grew up as a young boy where your mother was in a relationship that was abusive as far as I understand it, where you are seeing genuinely toxic behaviour. How did that make you feel then that you've experienced what that actually is and, and looks like in real terms and then you're being, you, that's been used as a stick to beat you with? I've never actually probably ever talked about this before, but my mum and dad spelt when I was six years old. Dad's a legend. He's my hero, right? Great relationship. They got on well. My mum did have some other relationships, just two. Um, and the second one, it was very violent. So, you know, a lot of people won't even know this, but I was 13, 14 to like 18. She was with this guy. And I was, my sister moved out, so just me and mum at home with him. And then drink and stuff like that. It, it was just every night there'd be arguments. Then I'd know my mum was getting beaten up. And she would come out with like black and blue, right, make excuses. But I knew it was going on. I knew what was going on. And then, you know, I used to go out fighting, like looking for fights. And I didn't know why I'd do that. And then I walked in one night, I was with a mate and my girlfriend at the time. And, and he had an, it was after a night out and he had a knife. She was battered and he had a knife up at her. And then, so I walked in. Um, uh, and, you know, I just fronted him up. And then me and him had a bit of a to-do and I just lucky punched and knocked him out. And then I just sat at the door with my mum my girlfriend at the time but when I was listening to those arguments I could I could remember lying in bed right I'd lie there and I could hear it getting louder and then you know what's coming you know what's coming every time well it starts like you can just hear it and then it's getting louder and that and then you know what's going to happen and this is what I'm talking about with like stuff like Jack or stuff I, I didn't know where to go I'm telling you now at 16, 17, 18 I ain't been to anyone about it I'm not but if I could have had access to maybe ask some questions and get some help where I didn't feel like I was really speaking to someone. And that's what we're going to be going into that with Jack. You know, going from, it's not just about an expert, it's about someone who's been through it and understands what you've been through and maybe give you some advice. I've never really talked about it. A lot of people don't know about it. Like a lot of people, but when I look back now, it's fucking mad, right? It's actually ridiculous that that happened. Like, I don't know how much it's affecting me. But I know for one thing, I didn't talk about him or go anywhere. Have you spoke to your mum about it? Yeah. I told her I'm going to tell people one day about it. Mm. And she was like, she goes, do what you need to do. But my mum, I just feel sorry for my mum, right? Because she just, when you, this is the other thing, people say, why don't you just leave? And then you, 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 like people from the outside, well, well, you just leave, right? But it's not as easy as that. But could you imagine if you've gone something like Jack and there's someone there, why didn't you leave? Why didn't you? Because mm. some people can be a bit upset about that. And then they can explain, oh, I get it. Because it's mental health and people don't understand it. So, yeah, that did 
I don't know how it shaped me, but it's something I, I've blocked, blocked off a lot, right? But the thing is, I'm not special, right? I'm not special and had all these problems and stuff. I had an amazing life. You know, my parents were great, but everyone has stuff like this that happens to them. Everyone, like you have, I guarantee you, you have had stuff that's happened to you and it will affect you unless you can maybe learn how to process it. So I don't want to think like I've had a really tough life because I haven't, but just some stuff has happened to me that's probably shaped me to who I am today, you know. So tell us about you as a dad then, because this stuff has shaped you undoubtedly and you've got two young children. Yeah. What do you do differently as a dad that uh, as a consequence of this? Do you know what? I just, I've always wanted to be a dad. Or, like, always. I remember since I was, like, 12, I, just, I loved kids and stuff. Uh, my everything. My everything. And you know, I'm busy. I'm busy, right? But one thing I do every day, and this is, like, I probably contradicts what love other people say is entrepreneurship or, like, I've got work 24-7. I do work hard, right? I'm in the office early. And I get my stuff done, but I'm home every day between five and six. Five, unless I have to do something. Like, last night I had to do something because... I want to be there for my kids because what is the point? What's the point? Fucking money. I've got a nice life now. Very comfortable. I've got a free bed, semi-satched house. You know, nice life. I, I, do you know what I mean? Like, what's the, uh, just to see the first four years of a kid's life, you'll never get back. And that's the most magical bit. So I'll make sure that I'm home every day between five and six. I bath them. I play with them. And it's, because that's what I love, mate. But the bit I'm interested in is like the stuff that you're doing on uh, on the platform to yep. help people deal with some of the, like the body dysmorphia issues mm -hmm. or some of this um, like social issues that they might be managing with. How do you help them to avoid some of those pitfalls that you that you stumbled into? Because so, that's it with the new platform. We've got everything from parenting, right? We've got a whole section on parenting that you can go into. Um, we've got nutrition, gut health. Like, I want Jack to become the Google I don't for mental health. But it's, mental health is everything, right? To so get some information and advice on parenting, on dealing people, dealing with youngsters who might have a condition. But I don't want to base it all on conditions. It's just general life. Giving people amazing information can transform it. And the other, look, how about this? Yes, two days ago, I was at the park with my son, and the guy came over to me, just chatting to me, and he said that my, like, our kids were playing, right? And then I was like, "Oh, how's your boy?" And he said, "Oh, oh yeah, he's 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 um, autistic, and he he's he's from a poverty background. This guy, they've got no money." He said, "Like, um, I only found out a year ago," and he says, "God, I just I didn't. I told him no, that's ridiculous." But then we did the test, and he has. And he said, all I've been doing, like, doing is Google and watching YouTube stuff. And I didn't even tell him about Jack, right? And I was like, can I ask you, can you imagine if you can go to a platform that's got like autism and you can literally ask a leading expert questions by press of a button and then people as a parent. And he was like, what, is that available? I was like, he said, because the problem with is he can't afford to take this, this son anywhere. He can't, he's like, and then the help. And can you imagine what, just for this platform... Because he said, I've been to all I've done, I've found a family that I'm following on YouTube. Fucking hell, mate. Can you imagine him just mm. being able to go on? And he was literally, I shook my hand, he wrote it down, he says, I can't believe what. And I was like, that. It's how easy it is. You know, give people the right information. Because all you look at is social media, right? how's it gone? Facebook was all about posting. Instagram moved to uh, images, TikTok, video, like this. How do people want to digest information? Quick, short, 
videos right to the point. That's exactly what we're going to do with Jack for mental health. Man, I mean, what an amazing, heart-wrenching story, but also what an uplifting story. Because, I th- you know, we talk so often on the High Performance Podcast and we try and remind people all the time that life isn't about what is dealt your way. It's about how you deal with those cards. And you are, you know, the epitome of someone who has taken these moments of adversity and you haven't okay you've turned them into good for you but far far greater than turning them into some positive for you you're turning them into a positive for thousands if not millions of other people and I think many people in your position would create war paint for men and think right I can now be rich and relax and you want to do so much more than that you are completely purpose driven but I think the biggest thing is you're brave man so brave and um I think people often think if you've got mental health problems, then you're not brave and you're actually a wimp or you're weak or you're scared. And um, to have this conversation to remind people that if you're struggling, you're strong because you have to be strong to deal with the struggle is um, amazing. Sorry about that. Yeah, mate, um, do, you, do you know what? You don't have to apologise, mate, because it's, you know, mate, it's just not, and everyone's got it, mate. Yes, that's the point. I just wish that, I just wish people who are struggling right now would hear this and then re- react. Do you know what I mean? Because they don't have to. Like, you know, you probably, you definitely threw away a couple of years you didn't enjoy probably 10 years. And like, that's, that's could be a quarter of your life. Do you know what I mean? And like, and there's so many people walking around really hurting. And like, it's the word though, mate mental health is like attached as this mm. thing where when we talk about these conditions everyone thinks that's what it is yeah. they? Like, but it's got to be something really bad but what I want to do with Jack is prove that mental health is every minute of it it's everything mm. and, and you, you can't get, just and it's not about just surviving like you can fly you can have mental health problems absolutely and you can fly you can have an amazing life like. as long as you learn to manage it like people have done amazing things yeah. like with like dyslexia is just one that peak. as soon as your brain changes to like actually well I don't you know you're never going to be good at fucking spelling I'm never going to be mm. able to spell properly. All right, that's fine. But you know what I'm good at? I was really good at sport. And actually, I'm really good at maths. And actually, I've just, I, I like, I can do these things over here a bit creative. But that's how my brain's fit. And once you understand that, the shackles come off. You know, but a, a lot of the time, I actually know, Dan, see what you need to do. You need to spend four hours, five hours worrying about how, do you, how you hold a fucking pencil. Because you can't, and we've got to really work on your spelling. No, I don't, because I'm never going to get it, as long as I can manage. Thank you so much for coming on here and uh, and sharing that with us. Thanks, guys. Tell us, how how are you now in terms of your mental health? I'm in a really, the best place I've probably been ever yeah. in my life, but I still struggle. That's the thing. I still have moments, and but I know they'll be there. Mm. And it's not a case of I'm going to be perfect forever. But I've learned to manage it. Yeah. I've learned, you know, when I'm struggling, get ready. I've learned to stop, and you know. But that's just through learning over 20 years or 25 years, really. But what I want to do is help people learn a lot quicker than 25 years and not have that 10 years gap that I did, or the two years especially. Did that really upset me when you spoke about that 10 years between the start of a potential issue and the crisis point? 
So what early warning signs can you give to anybody listening to this that maybe year one or two of a potential issue that they can take action before it manifests itself as a crisis? So uh, this is, I'm not just trying to promote Jack, but this is the problem that's always been for me, right? Everything's based on crisis. So at the moment, people year in, two years in, or I'm not sure how I'm feeling, am I this, am I that, don't understand what it is they're feeling. So people can even think they might have depression, but they may not have it, right? They might just be, right, that's just normal. And actually you can get through it like this. But at the moment to get that information is almost not impossible, but where do you go? And if like, look, if you Google something, you've got a headache, you're going to die. Yep. You know, Alice, who's on the platform, uh, her, her brother died of uh, committed suicide. And they went on his Google search and um, he put in, he was searching how to kill himself. You know, I'm not, that's very extreme, but the problem is, like, imagine a platform like Jack. This is, the, we also, well, you have to talk, you need to talk here. We get it. But I think we're going to be a long way still to people who've got, like, oh, I'm feeling something, I need to talk about it. But imagine you go to a platform, do some diving, speak to some experts, speak to people with limited experience, go, Actually, I think I'm actually feeling like that. My mother-in-law, right, she um, doesn't sleep, can't sleep, hour, two hours a night, sleep export on the platform. She tests all the experiences for me, the conversations. And she was like, I can't believe the amount I got from sleeping and she's sleeping better because of it. Just because she's got information and some tips. So... But that, do you know what I mean? Imagine her leaving that until she's not sleeping at all, then goes to the doctors, well, here's some pills. I'm not saying that's what would happen, but that's potentially what could happen. Where if she does it earlier and starts some tips and stuff, right information from leading people, that's free and easy, accessible, and you're not judged because you can do it online and it feels like a conversation. Can you imagine this in schools, mate? Can you imagine how we educate young people? Oh, imagine yeah. using like Jack as a platform where, okay, we've, we've just done the thing, we're doing stuff, big celebrities come off, we've got football teams interested. Imagine young fans being asked to ask questions to their idols about mental health, but it's not mental health, right? So you can ask about, oh, what was the funniest thing you ever did here? And then there's some good questions about, how do you, how do you manage stress? Do you get worried before a game? Like that is where kids can ask a question rather than a, a bloke middle-aged lanyard in front of them talking about something, they'll turn off. But I think one of the heroes of your story is Obi, your mate Obi. Before somebody maybe even recognises they need to go to Jack, what can we all do to be Obi in somebody else's life to then maybe direct them to Jack as a secondary act. Absolutely. It's about, um, look, I'm not just praying Jack any way you can find it. If you understand something from someone's perspective, right? That is for me, like Obi just understood that I needed time, but sometimes it's really difficult for people like a friend to know what to do. Like for each condition or each way someone is, I think it's a little bit different, but hundred percent it's to listen. Don't try and suggest what you know all the time. It's just about listening and saying, do you want to have a chat, mate? Like, do you want to tell me? But I still think it's very difficult to do that for a lot of people in that position. And the other side, just quickly, as a mate, as long as you say you're there for them, don't push anything on them, that is unbelievable. You know, Obi, I knew he was there. Do you know, one little thing he did, he didn't mean to do it. Don't worry, as much time as you need. Okay, no, that feeling. He didn't have to say anything. Yeah. We finished with our quick fire questions on the high performance podcast um and the first one is whether it's running jack whether it's running your amazingly successful business or the people that you invite into your world what are the three non-negotiables that the people around you have to buy into passion for me you're passionate about something in terms of business perspective 
uh, how do you say the word punctuality yeah, on punctuality, time right? yeah. punctuality yeah, just yeah. to be on time <clears throat> and be consistently average <laughs> not <laughs> just, up, not down yeah or but, not average yeah, so yeah, I can, yeah. reliability right is that yeah, 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 yeah. so they're the probably a free thing just so i can just you know where you are yeah. with someone if that makes sense yeah 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 what's your biggest weakness and what's your greatest strength biggest weakness is definitely if someone asked me to put together a business perspective uh can you read through a contract or can you present us with a document jesus I, I, that's operations weak uh strength is probably creativity and ideas you're an ideas man not a details man absolutely yeah so you can i get, like detail but not you i can, can get other people to do the detail <laughs> you can do the ideas yeah i struggled at the beginning when i had to do it all from when it's you have to if you could go back to one moment in your life what would it be and why um 12 years old at that second on the playground would you though because if you hadn't had that moment all the things that have followed on since might not have happened. Well, this is the other thing, right? Because people say to me, would you ever go back and change anything? I say, absolutely not. That is my actual answer, I would say, because I believe in fate, right? Or manifestation, like if I hadn't had that moment, but if I could go back or I had to, just to let me know, just that it'd be all right. That's it. And finally, your kind of final message really to people listening to this, what would you want to leave them as your one golden rule for living a high performance life? believe in yourself yeah like I know it's probably like but I didn't for a long time I still don't to now but and the other thing sorry sorry do something you're passionate about if you can right and listen that does not have to be a multi-million pound business being an entrepreneur being a founder it's it's if you are happy and you're passionate about family about whatever it is and you're happy with where you are you're in the top one percent mate thank you so much for that Damien, Jake, I'm honestly not sure what else there is to kind of add to that conversation. I think with Danny, I just, um, I just think what he's doing is incredible. Yeah. And I had one word to describe it. It was just blimey. Like when mm. we sat there, it was blew me away. Just somebody prepared to come and talk so openly about his body dysmorphia, the, the trauma of seeing his mother held at, at knife point, just his life story in general, the fact that he's opening it out there and then happy to, uh, driven by this purpose of helping others. It's a life of purpose. Yeah. And we've seen so often, haven't we, on this podcast that traumatic experiences can lead to incredible outcomes. And I think he is doing something incredible with his mental health platform. And, um, you know, I know that people can listen to this podcast in any country in the world at any time, but the day that we've released it um, is Mental Health Awareness Day. And I really hope that even if it's just one person that it reaches or one person that it inspires to to speak out or to, to reach out for help, then it will have done its job. And I think, you know, Danny is changing lives every single day and there's nothing more we can do in this world, I don't think, than leave it a better place than we found it. Yeah. The, if there was one stat that jumped out on me or what Danny shared was the fact that from the origins of a mental health crisis up till the moment where most people seek help, it's 10 years. And if there's a message that you could give people here is don't wait to get to that crisis point, that rock bottom, that that moment where you're searching around for answers. Yeah. Like mental health isn't a switch. You don't have it or you don't. We all have mental health. It's just different variants of it. And if you're struggling with anything, don't keep it in. Yeah. You've got the jack app that danny was talking about but reach out and find your own equivalent of your friend like his mate obi just talk to people mm. is the essence of this just just connect 
And um, obviously I was slightly losing myself emotionally, but the point I tried to make to him is that we still think that a mental health crisis is a weakness, but the strongest and bravest people are the ones that do the stuff that scares them, are the ones that push through those mental health problems. You know, if you've got anxiety um, and you hate, you know, let's say you hate um, going out in public because you've got anxiety about it, and then you do it, you're not a wimp or you're not fragile because you're scared of being out in public. You're brave because you've gone out in public. For most people, it's not a thing. Yeah. And I just want people to reframe their thinking really about what mental health struggles are. They're not, it's not a weakness, it's a bravery. Well, one of the many things that I admire about you, Jake, is, and is when you've spoken about your own challenges on the mental health spectrum because you have a platform where people have a perception of you and the fact that you've spoken so openly and candidly and made yourself vulnerable I think is an incredible powerful testimony for people to hear about it I think that I remember when we spoke about the podcast you said you wanted your children to be able to listen to it when they're adults and say that's what my dad stood for and I think if nothing else that your kids hear you talking so openly about that you've made a difference to lives as well. So nice of you. You're a good man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing that conversation. Oh, thank you, mate. There's only one thing I really want you to do with this episode, and I want you to do it with this episode more than any other that we've ever recorded, because I think this episode is the most important episode that we've ever recorded. It's the brutal, raw, honest truth about struggling with your mental health. And there are people that you know, trust me, many people that you know right now who are struggling with their mental health and they won't have told you. There's a strong chance they haven't told anyone. And this episode might just be the catalyst for them to seek help, for them to realise that they're not alone. So please pass this episode to just one person. Spread it among your group. Stick it in your WhatsApp. Ask your colleagues to listen to it. And let's spread the learnings and the lessons from the things that Danny shared with us today. And can I just say a very special thanks to Danny for coming on and talking in the way that he did. Thanks as well to the whole team for their hard work behind the scenes of the High Performance Podcast. Remember, there is no secret. It is all there for you. So chase world-class basics. Don't get high on your own supply. Remain humble, curious and empathetic. And we'll see you very soon. <laughs>